Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's Word, the beauty of the gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm your host, Pastor Zach McGowan, and on today's episode, I'm joined by Dr. Paul Sewich of the St. Andrew's Ministry of FPC and Brian Morgan of See Jesus Ministries. We discuss their messages in our series, Dangerous Prayers, and their philosophy of preaching. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to Armchair Preaching. Uh, today in uh, the armchairs are uh, two of the greatest people I know, um, Brian Morgan and Paul Sewich, here today, uh, but not really here. We're in a virtual space over Zoom. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they have very busy schedules doing a lot of different things, and so we're, uh, thanks to the, the wonder of technology brought on by a pandemic, we have learned that this is a thing that we can do. So <laughs> actually my wife was just, uh, I don't know if you guys realize this. It was three years ago today that we locked down. Oh, wow. hmm. oh, that. Three years ago uh, today yeah. that we locked yeah. down. Um, which is a little, which is a little weird that three years later, we're still doing things. So first, <laughs> um, it was only weird. Cause we initially we were like, yeah, two weeks thing passes. <laughs> well, other people were saying, no, this is going to be years. In the yeah. Week. Yeah. So we're here, but uh, actually this is cool because I don't know that we'd be able to um, do this recording. Otherwise our schedules being what they are. So I'm mm-hmm. uh, glad that we discovered this, uh, Brian and Paul, you guys were in our series, uh, dangerous prayers went in different directions in terms of the passages this week. But uh, one of the things I want to jump off with, um, this is the first time I think the three of us have really done armchair preaching together. Is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. So this is it. So you guys, your wheelhouse, uh, Brian, for folks that don't know, let people know now you you were our student ministry director for many, many years, but now you're doing something different. Let people know what you're doing uh, now. Yeah. So I essentially work for a nonprofit called See Jesus, and uh, we create discipleship material to help strengthen churches. And I'm specifically kind of in the arm of the person of Jesus study, which is more kind of... um, you think it kind of builds up the imagination and um, kind of focuses a bit more on the humanity of Jesus rather than the divinity, all in on the divinity. But what was he like as a person and uh, doing that in a way that's more discovery oriented rather than declarative. So kind of more interactive. Yeah. And Paul, you are uh, on staff at, at First Pres through uh, a specific arm of the the church let people know you've been on the armchair but i don't know that we've really discussed your role at the church Uh, yeah not in this context yeah uh in 1999 there was a study done at first press to determine our strengths and weaknesses and uh, they found that access to pastoral care was probably the achilles heel at the time and so one family ponied up enough money to hire a psychologist who was also an ordained or ordainable uh, Presbyterian pastor so that they could have someone on staff who could work with the staff and with members of the church and the community. So that's that's essentially what uh, that's the position I've been in for 21 plus years. So a lot of your role is counseling 
but probably the second thing that you do most often is facilitating and teaching classes here at FPC. So in in a lot of respects, you and Brian are your primary, you know, one of your primary outlets for ministry is in the teaching aspect. So I wonder, I want to just ask, John and I have talked about this a bit on the podcast, uh, but, but we're, we're, when we talk about it, we're talking about it more as preachers who teach rather than the other way around being teachers who preach. So I wonder, you know, Brian, for you, what is the, what is it like going from a teaching mindset to a preaching mindset? Yeah, it's, it's tougher for me. Um, I think the difference is that in a teaching, there's there's more uh, feedback. Like you're going back and forth. It feels like a ping pong match, you know, where in preaching, like you're holding the paddle the whole time. And so you've got to carry the weight, you know, of that time. Uh, and it's more on you. But with teaching, I find, you know, I'm able to give that back to other people and kind of play off their insights. And I, I just tend to enjoy that a little bit more. I think that's just more of my wheelhouse. Um, but also I'll, I'll play off of other people and what they say, cause you're kind of nimble. Cause you don't know what people are going to say. We're preaching. You're, you're for the most part, you understand what you're going to say before you go up there. You hope so. At least anyway, I hope though. so. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I did not this past Sunday, but <laughs> sometimes you don't, sometimes God's like, yeah, this is what you have written down. Uh, but you're going to take a right hand turn. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Paul. What about you? Yeah, uh, how do you like interact with preaching ministry outside? You know, when you primarily do a lot more teaching and facilitation like that. So, in in the profession of counseling, there is a big difference between a teachable moment where I where I try to help someone see a principle and the ministry of presence, which is probably closer to the idea of depth psychotherapy, where my job is not to fix them. My job is to be with them, to be mm-hmm. to hear what they are actually saying. So when I approach preaching, I think of it in a similar way. Am I, am I proclaiming the gospel in order that Jesus would be worshipped? Or am I trying to help you see a principle? Mm-hmm. And so I want I I make I try to make sure at least that the point of what I'm doing is the proclamation of the gospel, so that Jesus will be worshipped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's fine distinction too. And you and you both kind of touched on something. You know the the idea of you know with with counseling and then also the specific type of teaching Brian that you do there there it's it's there's you're leading people to discover things for themselves yeah to to, to a, a large degree whereas in the preaching ministry a really good job with that too yeah where in the preaching ministry I think you just you're presenting something but you have to do it in such a way that it is is you know it's captivating and and then they and and I, I don't know you guys have probably had this this as well, where people come up and talk to you about things that they put together that you never said, yeah. right? So there, there is a discovery point there too. So it's, but it's a, it's kind of an interesting line that you have to that you have to follow with that. Yeah, 
Yeah. I, Paul, uh, are you, do you find preaching, you know, Brian said he enjoys the teaching uh, moments a little bit more than the preaching moments. Where do you find, where do you kind of fall on that, that spectrum? Um, I, before you asked that question, I was thinking about this application thing that do you, when you're proclaiming the gospel, that's really very different than saying tomorrow at um, 12, you should say to your wife, blah, blah, blah. If I'm teaching, then I want to highlight, hey, what specifically is um what, what, what is defensiveness? How does it sound? And if you're going to replace defensiveness, what do you need to say? So when I'm preaching, I'm not trying to, I don't want to try to tell people, if you obey the gospel, then you should do X. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things that I enjoy the most about preaching is that I can, I can take the burden that God has laid upon me and give it to other people. <laughs> here, here, God put this burden on me. You should, Brian, you should, you should have this burden too. Like, you know, what does it mean to, uh, to say, hey, good, I'm so glad that you have obeyed commandments five through ten. Great, good. That means, you know, there's, there's only one thing left. Yeah. <laughs> Get rid of the anchor of your soul. It's killing you, man. Mm. Cut the cord and come back with me and follow me. Mm. You will have eternity. Yeah. So what does that mean? So, oh, no. Does that mean that I have to go liquidate my assets? I don't know if it worries you that much. Maybe you should. I don't know if you can tell, but I think Brian is actually living in a shack right now because that's what he did. Yeah. 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 If only I could be so mature. Well, I, so I, I do want to jump in. That that kind of leads us into the messages this week. And, and again, you guys went to two different texts. Um, uh, Paul had had really two texts: Exodus, uh, the Exodus fifteen passage, uh, and then the John uh, sixteen passage. Um, yeah. If I have if I have that right, sixteen, yes. yeah, or six, John six, sorry, John six. And then uh, Brian, you were dealing with the the rich man who approaches Jesus about about. Mm-hmm. You know, what does he need to do to inherit her life? But one of the things, it was funny to, I, I'm always, this is a thing, and maybe maybe because my ear is is listening, f- thinking of this podcast and thinking about what I'm going to talk to you guys about, but I'm always struck by listening to two preachers on the same Sunday, two different places, even if they're preaching two passages, if they know the general direction, how often there is overlap and, and intersection points. And and one of the things that you guys both did um, was use a sense of imagination to bring the 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 congregation into the text. And so, you know, Brian, how you know how does imagination play into your own Bible reading and study? Because you thought you even said, you know, I like to imagine myself in the story, you know, what is this, what is this guy's posture? What is the rich man's posture as he's speaking to Jesus? What, what would I be thinking if I'm watching him? So what, when you're doing your own Bible reading and study and even preparation for, for sermons, how does, do, do you do something intentionally to get into that imagination headspace? Yeah. I, uh, 
so one, it slows me down when I'm reading because a lot of times when I was, I found myself reading before I'm, I'm rolling through passages, but I'm not really trying to immerse myself and putting myself in the scene. And just, so when I do that, <clears throat> it helps Jesus one go from black and white into color, kind of make some sparkle a little bit more. And then I just, I'm able to put a little bit of kind of the way that I think the scene went down, it just brings the passage a little bit more earthy. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's just helpful for me because it produces worship. Like when I, you know, when I, I heard somebody else say that comment, like in a, in a person Jesus study before, like, I think that Jesus gets down on his knees. I level with the guy. And when, when she said that in the study, like everybody was like, what, like, what a cool thing. I don't know if that happened or not. But it was a fun thought to think about how tender and kind and thoughtful Jesus would be. You know, man, I really want you to get this. You lack one thing and to go down eye level with them. And just um, it just helps me kind of worship more. And and so, yeah, I like the imagination piece. And I don't um, and, I, and really, Jesus does it a ton. Right. Every time he gives a parable, he's trying to incite people's imagination. He's painting a word picture, trying to help them think and get across the truth in a, in a way that's through a story. And so I, a lot of that just kind of comes from learning from Jesus, too. Well, yeah, you even said it uh, in your message this last week, the, the whole idea of <clears throat> not not speed reading yeah. through a passage and, you know, and, and putting yourself into a mindset of, you know, from a hermeneutical standpoint, we used to call it the three, the three audience, you know, the three audience principle, okay. you know, what's the, you know, you have the, you have the us as the third audience, you know, we're hearing it through, uh, we're reading this story, but we're reading the story secondhand. It wasn't written directly to us from a human standpoint. Obviously God knew we were going to read it, but in the, in the second audience it's that, that, you know, the original author writing to the original audience, but the first audience is the, are the people in the story, right? Yeah. Jesus is speaking and he knows that everybody around them is, is, is listening. And so he's speaking for them also knowing that it's going to be scripture and also knowing that, you know, 2000 years later. So there's all this going on. So getting into that first audience mindset is really, is really key. Paul, you did the same thing. You used an imagination piece, but almost like it was really, you took on like a first person character, you know, I'm an Israelite, you know, so for you, when you're doing your study and your preparation and your own, you know, kind of Bible reading, how does, how do, how do you engage that imagination side of your brain? So I'm really indebted to two women in this regard. One, unfortunately, I don't remember her name. It, it was a, <laughs> it was a preaching conference in Nashville, Tennessee. So uh, an African American woman who's a pastor. And she said that when she's when she's getting ready to preach, she gets a pad of sticky notes and she starts when she reads the passage, she starts writing all the questions. What was that like? And and so, you know, where did he come from and where was he going and what did it sound like and what did it smell like? And she puts all these sticky notes all over her wall and that draws her into the passage. Mm. The other one is a woman named Ellen Davis and I can sum up a whole book in one sentence. Don't preach until you are amazed by Jesus. Amen. Mm. 
hold on. Don't don't go for it. Don't don't come up with something and slop something out. Wait until you are amazed. And, and once you've been amazed, now you've got something that you can preach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, I think it's it's taking those things and asking um, asking myself because uh, there's so many passages that are not there to tell you how to do something. It's they're there to show you who you really are. And so that's why I entered it uh, first person um, uh, about what what is my what is my hard because that's that's my <laughs> that is so my anchor across my life is my hard-heartedness. Mm-hmm. What how how I stiffened myself to live through very, very difficult times. But now that I've met Jesus, my, you know, why is it not, why have I not softened any more than I have? Yeah. Is there a point where you have to kind of draw the line in your imagination where, where you don't, you don't put into the passage more than is there. So you're not preaching out of your imagination. You're preaching out of what's actually in the passage. You're using the imagination as a bolster for what's in the passage. But I've heard some preachers that just take it. I mean, you guys have probably heard it too. People just go way, you know, it's one thing to imagine posture and to imagine, uh, you know, how, how an Israelite might respond because you can see what the passage actually says they did and then put those words in the mouth of an individual and how would that come out? You can easily see from the character of Jesus throughout the scriptures how, you know, he might, he might kneel down in front of the, the man and get eye level or, or you know, and, and have a compassionate posture. But there are some folks you've, you've probably heard where their imagination just kind of, they, they invent all sorts of stuff. And then Jesus is saying things that aren't in the passage. And, and do you yeah. guys have kind of a line in your head where you say, okay, I can imagine this, but to go any further is going way beyond what the scripture teaches. I, yeah, my, my line is primarily about anachronism. That if Where does if that word somebody, mean? Pardon? Paul, 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 you got to stop what and, that and word explain mean? anachronism. What does that word mean? Uh, that means uh, thinking that other people think and act just like I do, yeah. right? That the, that the rich young ruler is an American from the 21st century who actually owns a Lexus. Um, and we, we, we just import our stuff onto them. So I, I'm not really listening to them. I'm not really trying to understand Jesus for who he is. And so I, I commit the same sin that the disciples did. They, they looked at Jesus and said, who do we need? We need somebody who can kick Rome's influence out of our life. Here's a guy. He can raise people from the dead. He can feed them fish sandwiches. Our, our, he can bring up a storm and swamp the entire Roman fleet. We cannot lose and they missed, they were missing who he was. Yeah. So that my line of imagination is to watch myself and to ask who as much, because I'm going back 3,000 years, I'm traveling 3,000 miles away. How do I respect 
the reality that when I'm reading the New Testament, I'm reading Greek. I know how much that thrills Brian's heart. Yeah, super excited. It's a whoa, whoa. Uh, yeah, so we're we're not reading Aramaic. We're reading Greek, and and so I, I want to tread carefully and 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 understand what the text can tell what what God's word is telling me about who he really is. Mm-hmm. What about what about you Brian? Do you have kind of an imagination boundary there for yourself? Uh for myself to a degree, but really I I uh I probably I depend more on people like you guys to rebuke me. <laughs> you know, because I know that that's going to be an error risk of mine. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to kind of dream stuff into a passage, hopefully not having a command or a demand that anybody thinks about it the way I do. But I, I know that I can float out there probably too far at times. And so that's why one getting around people like you guys that are your air risk is not that as much. And so it's going to be helpful for me. And I don't want to do it like, and try to like pull out, Hey, this is 100% of biblical truth. I try to like on the front end of, Hey, this is just me being playful and just, you know, being creative with what I think could have been happening. I try to say that on the front end so it doesn't sound like, hey, here's some strict biblical truth that now you need to follow. Uh, and I want to pick my spots on when to do that. So, like, I think what you said before, Zach, with, like, posture, where was somebody looking, body language. And even with the one where I said, well, if Jesus is up in heaven and he's talking to his heavenly father and says, what must I do for them to inherit eternal life? Well, some conversation like that happened. I, I don't I'm not saying it went down like yeah. that, but some conversation like that yeah. did happen between Jesus and the father. And so I'm just trying to, you know, swirl that around a little bit. And and it fit just with a fun little play on words. Yeah, what's the what's the what's the Latin term that we we use, Paul, for that conversation? The pactum salutis, man. The pactum salutis. That's the uh, that's the eternal pact of salvation that the Father and the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit, at what point does the pactum salutis happen from all eternity? But there is some sort of communication, Father. So, however that Trinitarian conversation yeah. goes, blows our mind. But we, but but because God has des- decided to condescend, even in His language, how He he relates to us that that's always the funny thing about Jesus speaking to the father, you know, uh-huh. and, uh, Josh Schweitzer came in my office uh, in the middle because we, you know, after the last sermon and and we were doing the the you know Father, uh, if it not if it's willing take if you're willing take this cup from me but not my will but your will be done and Josh is asking who is that prayer for you know because it's Very like uh, and and I and I and so we kind of unpacked this whole you know this whole Trinitarian thing that in Jesus' humanity there there is a necessity for him to pray to the Father and be in a posture of obedience and submission. But at the same time, we also know that the disciples aren't aren't eavesdropping on that prayer. So Jesus has to go back at post-resurrection, pre-ascension, and tell the disciples about the prayer, what the content of the prayer was, so that the prayer also was for their sake and for our sake too. And and I think, man, that's just so then then you then you can kind of really unpack the the trinitarian kind of implications of that until your head starts to hurt and you have to yeah. go you know you have to go play video games or something just to decompress from all that weirdness 
<laughs> really well said, man. Uh, but, yeah, go ahead, Paul. In the midst of Brian, Brian, you were talking about um, Jesus inviting this rich young ruler to, to imitate him. Hmm. My mind went to the day that uh, that James, uh, that, that John uh, come to him and say, hey, listen, can can we have the two best seats in your council? Can we sit on the right and the left? Can we just be really close to you and be the guys, your turn to guys who, who are in charge? And Jesus says, you have no idea what mm-hmm. you are asking for. Can you drink the cup? That I have to drink. Oh yeah, they. Oh yeah, absolutely. We're big cup drinkers. Look, I've got a cup with hungry on it. Look, I can drink anything on it. He says, "Well, <laughs> are going to drink from this cup." <clears throat> Parenthetically, you know, he. I think he could easily have added, yeah, "But you have no clue right now just how deep that cup will go." Yeah. Mm-hmm. In 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 your messages, there are a couple things I wanted to just touch on because both of you spent some time unpacking different aspects of the gospel, right? Uh, and what it what the gospel is, what it is not, um, and people's kind of misunderstanding of the gospel and what the gospel actually is. Brian, you really touched on this idea of this this. We we always kind of fall into the the uh, earn my way into salvation kind of thing. So, why was it important for you to kind of like really zone in on this is not a works righteousness thing. This is a come to Jesus thing. Yeah, it it could just be me and projecting what my life is like following Jesus. So I get that it's not like and earn my way in on the front end. And okay, now that I'm a Christian, my, my problem is that I think I've got to continue to earn his favor or his delight. And so I, I know that I'm in because of his work on my behalf, but how I stay kind of in his good graces is based more on my performance. And I just live that practically. And I, and it doesn't make my heart sing. I become a slave again to that. And, and that's not freedom. That's not joy. That doesn't make my heart dance for Jesus. And it doesn't blow him up to a, to a person to say, man, nobody could have done this for me, that this is so above what I'm able to do for myself. And he, and he did it while I'm an enemy of his. Right. And so um, I think it's just, I think it could, it's a joy stealer. And I just, this is a generalization and I get it, but I, I don't know how many Christians that I run up against, I'm like, man, it just looks like they're having fun with this thing. And they are resting in the peace and the security and the joy of what Jesus has done for them. And so I'm like nibbling on that. And I want other people to feast on it. And just because I know what kind of impact it's had on my life. And then when I watch other people kind of live in that freedom of just settling in on the gospel, and I think it takes a long time. Like, so I've been at this thing for, I've been a Christian maybe 15, 16 years now. And I need to hammer that in my heart so often. And even when I've done a good job of that, it I mean, the evil one still will bubble me up and make it like it's this workspace thing. And then I treat other people like that, too. 
So, all right, well, in order for you to stay in my good graces, you have to do X, Y, and Z. So, like, the implications of not getting the gospel is not not only a hindrance for me, but it's a hindrance for how I treat other people, mm -hmm. too. And so, I, I just don't, I don't want to miss that. I want people to feel the freedom of following Jesus and then and then having obedience and in all the commands that he's given us for that to come from a place of man i just love the sound of my heavenly father's voice and i want to do what he says because i delight in him so much because of what he's done for me that's, mm -hmm. that's a different operating system that i will forget an hour from now <laughs> if, if i don't get, I try to keep reminding myself and so i think that's one of the reasons why i probably zoned in on that a little bit more well, it's interesting too because when I when I was listening to Paul's message, I, I listened to your message first, Brian, then went to Paul's, and Paul goes into the whole gospel of sin management thing. And yeah. I'm thinking, dang, that's like it, it's the same. It's the other side. It's the same same side yeah, of the coin. So, Paul, you you really got into that as well, and even talked very similarly about Brian, how Brian was saying, "Well, I'll do good things, and then I start to." I, I, I will, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll master my own transgression and then look down on the person who hasn't. So it's a very similar idea. So Paul, your, your take on that gospel aspect as well. What was your, what was your mentality like going into well, that? First off, full disclosure, Brian and I talked somewhere between four and six times <laughs> about uh, the development of our messages. So yeah. they were not, we're not hatched in total independence. <laughs> yeah. Right. You're uh -huh. shattering the illusion, Paul. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. But anyway, yeah, for me, uh, it, it's when I got to this phrase, there, it, it, he threw the log into the water and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule and he tested them there. It's like, what? What? <laughs> What's the statute? What's the rule? What What was he talking about? And that's where, it, and, and so the idea of the Lord is your healer. What was he healing? And that's what drove me to that. It's about self-righteousness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can so easily... Dive oh. it, dive into that self righteousness, and it's and it's it's a hard balance. You know, it is such a hard balance. I think for preachers and teachers to always remember, it's not works righteousness. It's not works righteousness. It's the free gift of the gospel, and then not make it become a cheap grace thing, right? right. Where I, you know, and Paul and Brian, you even said, you know, it, it's it's a it's a do nothing, gain everything, and then you stop and said, but we don't do nothing, right? It's right. it's 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 and it's a, such a and it and it's I think for the average and one of the things I always have to remember when I'm preaching is for the average person of faith, we live in that tension all the time, and we, I mean, we're professional Christians. Right, that which sounds so stupid, and I know so so. I think so the word for that is Pharisees. <laughs> <laughs> which is what we struggle, right? We struggle exactly right? with Father Father Jonah as our patron saint. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I and I so I think about the average you know person who's coming into church on a Sunday morning and thinking how you know how might they struggle with this too, you know, and that's where, you know, Brian, you were talking about this just a second ago, even amongst, you know, your, your 
colleagues and friends in faith is that you've got to be in that community. You've got to be in these opportunities where it's not just a Sunday morning thing. You know, there are other friendships and there are other small groups and there are other conversation pieces so that you do relish in the joy, the freedom of Jesus Christ. And yet that freedom and joy does not lead you to sin. It leads you to want to, out of joy, be the loving, caring, kind person that God's called you to be. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I see the beauty and wonder of who he is. Right. I heard, I forget where I heard it, but I heard somebody say recently, the gospel is opposed to earning, but not opposed to effort. Mm. Yeah. That's opposed to earning, but not opposed to effort. And yeah, I think that's a good way to phrase that. The last thing we just have a few more minutes it's not here, but opposed to earning, earning something it's opposed to earning externals. Yeah. We're earning rewards, and those rewards, they're 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 done so that it's done in secret, and the reward is knowing Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's not gold or crypto or <laughs> or cars or crap. Mm-hmm. It's knowing Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and and one of the things you guys both did uh, the last couple minutes. I just ha- have you guys talk about this is the the importance of framing the texts in very personalized ways. You know, the the what do I need to inherit eternal life? What if I got everything I ever asked for? Uh, why is it so important? In the last couple minutes, uh, Brian, for you to personalize it for people. Um, I think it just draws home to they'll start to draw some more implications a little bit easier. Like, what is the application of this? And when I talk to most people, including myself, the person I think about the most is me. (laughs) And so it's easy to incarnate with that person. And I think everybody kind of has their version of what must I do to feel good about myself, to whatever that is. Uh, and I just think it, it, it's easier for them to kind of draw some implications when you frame it like that. What about you, Paul? Uh, in my experience of, of worship, there's always an interplay between the, that which is ritual. We say the Lord's Prayer every week. So I don't think about what I'm going to pray I, I, and and the personalized. And I want I want to move back and forth between those things and I want to lead people in that same. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for hanging out with us. And, uh, man, uh, I'm glad we were able to do this, even if it was over zoom. Thank you guys for taking, uh, a half hour and, and talk down, uh, talk to us about the, uh, about your messages and about your, your strategies and methodologies. I really appreciate you guys. You both are uh, a joy to, to work with and be around and, uh, hope you guys have a blessed day. Thank you so much. So if you missed uh, Dr. Paul's sermon or uh, Brian Morgan's sermon in Vine, uh, we encourage you to head over to our website, fpclakeland.org, and uh, check out the worship page in the Sermon Archive tab. You can watch complete worship services from any one of our worship services there. And if you missed any episodes of Armchair Preaching, encourage you to head over to uh, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcast and subscribe to Armchair Preaching. That way you'll be notified when a new episode drops. We encourage you to do that. We hope that this has been a rewarding and encouraging time for your faith journey, and we'll see you all next time.